Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, June 24th. Coming up, why former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens is back in the spotlight. But first, some headlines. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas and the City Police Department want to increase the number of female police officers by 50% in the next eight years and retain more women officers. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. 15% of KCPD officers are female, matching a nationwide trend. 15% of sworn officers are women filling leadership roles, which is above the national average. The department is signing on to the National 30 by 30 initiative, which aims to increase women in law enforcement. Deputy Chief Karen True says she will lead listening sessions with female officers in Kansas City as part of the initiative. The U.S. Senate will vote on a bipartisan gun deal this week. KCUR's Savannah Hawley has more on how Kansas and Missouri senators are likely to vote. The legislation, known as the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, would ban people convicted of domestic violence against a partner from owning a gun. It also tightens restrictions on gun sellers who have evaded federal licensing. Some Republicans oppose a measure in the bill that would provide incentives to states that pass so-called red flag laws, which allow courts to temporarily confiscate a gun from someone deemed a threat. In a vote, 15 GOP senators joined Democrats to overcome the filibuster. Missouri's Roy Blunt was one of those Republican senators. Both Senators Jerry Moran and Roger Marshall of Kansas voted against the bill. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri also voted to block the bill and continues to voice opposition to any gun safety measures. An upcoming Kansas Supreme Court decision could give big box stores like Walmart a chance to lower their property taxes. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports the lawsuit focuses on property taxes in Johnson County. The dark store theory argues that property owned by large retailers should be valued as if it were a vacant building, not an operating business. Walmart made that argument before the Kansas Board of Tax Appeals. The panel said its 11 Johnson County stores were overtaxed by millions of dollars. But Ryan Carpenter, an attorney for the county, told the Supreme Court that the board misapplied the law. He says the dark store theory does not tax big retailers on their fair market value like other properties in Kansas. This case is simply one of equity. The dark store theory has gained traction among large stores across the country as a way to reduce property taxes. Cities and counties say the drop in revenue from retailers would shift the tax burden to homeowners. People on all political sides have condemned former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens for producing a campaign ad that portrayed him hunting rhinos, Republicans in name only. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Greitens is among several Republicans running for U.S. Senate in Missouri. Social media companies took the ad down for being too violent. It made national headlines and was even brought up during a custody hearing with Greitens' ex-wife yesterday. KCUR's Steve Kraske asked two political scientists whether violence in political ads is effective. He spoke to University of Missouri, Kansas City professors Deborah Leiter and Rebecca Best. Here's part of their conversation. So, Deb, say what you will about this ad. It's provocative, to say the least. What do you make of this? Well, we're all talking about it, so I think in some yes, ways it's, it's done what it was intended to do. What was it intended to do? It was intended to do something that's really important in primary elections, which is to get people talking about an individual candidate. Um, 
in a primary, it's really hard to stand out. You're competing against members of your own party. You often have very similar positions. Voters aren't as interested. It is absolutely considered what's called a low information election. Voters pay less attention. It's hard to make a decision. Name recognition and just talking about a candidate are really critical to success. And critical to success, even if the ad that's generating all this talk is what this ad is? Uh, absolutely, I think, is is part of the strategy here is to make sure that people remember that name, because often we're far enough out from the election that some of the immediate impact will go away, but that name recognition will stay. Rebecca, is this all about name recognition? Do you see it the same way? So my bigger concern, and, and you know, this probably isn't surprising, uh, given my focus on uh, conflict and terrorism, is that, uh, so while I think that Deborah is absolutely right, I'm also very concerned that uh, what uh, Greitens is trading for that name recognition is an encouragement of violence. It is a further normalization of political violence in our society at a time when, you know, we, we are, again, we're in the midst of watching these January 6 hearings. We've seen a plot to kidnap a, a sitting governor. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, the, the um, massacre in Buffalo. Yeah. So very concerning to me. <laughs> Risky, Deborah. I mean, given what uh, Rebecca just said here, I mean, holy smokes. I've never seen anything quite like it before. It's certainly a risky strategy. Uh, There are two challenges that people in a primary have to face. One is to stand out from the crowd. But the second one is to convince voters that you can win in November. And while winning in the primary will probably require no more than 25% of the vote, to win in November, you need at least half of the vote. And the calculation here, I think, that the Greitens camp is making is that if they can get to that 25% number in the primary, they'll be able to carry uh, Missouri that has trended to the right. Yeah, but, the state's oh, much more Republican than it used to be. We're going to be fine in November if we can just get past the August primary. Absolutely. But if we think back to Claire McCaskill and Todd Aiken, We can see a history not so long ago in Missouri where that calculation did not pay out. And so that is the real risk that the Greitens camp has made is whether or not this short term payoff winning that 25 percent is going to be worth uh, it will convince voters that he can still win in November, because in the end, that is still part of the calculation for primary voters. Let's go to some calls. Let's go to Glenn from South Kansas City. Glenn, you're on up to date. I was wondering where where are we standing as a society if we allow advertising like this just substitute uh, in place of rhino any other group if a high school kid had put this on his facebook page uh, we would expect that kid to be locked not locked in, but i mean sent uh into uh we want the police to do something immediately when this is posted how provocative do you think this ad is glenn this is off the chart I mean, if we allow this to stand as a society, well, we have, it's, they're just testing us. This is it. That's an interesting comment, you know, Rebecca. What recourse do people like Glenn have if they think this, is an, this ad shouldn't be allowed to be on the air? Is there a recourse? Is there a, a way to deal with something like this? So I think there are a few things that people can do. Uh, you know, first, I think it is worth 
calling your representatives, you're calling your elected representatives and letting them know that um, that you find this highly concerning. I think part of what that does is, you know, it, it, I think it is important to to signal to elected representatives that this is not acceptable. There are people paying attention. And it may also encourage some of those elected representatives to um, to speak out about this um, and to uh, to try to sort of figure out what actions are available to them to um, to prevent this in the future or to um, to punish this type of rhetoric in the present. Yeah. You know, uh, Deborah Leiter, we were just talking in our first half with Rebecca about domestic terrorism, the power of the First Amendment when it comes to uh, how domestic terrorism is handled in this country. You know, is there any governmental body, any agency that can take a look at this ad and simply quash it and say there's no place for it? Or is the First Amendment what the First Amendment is? Well, the First Amendment is always probably the trickiest of the amendments in that while it's in many ways, I think the amendment that we hold most uh, care for, it's also an amendment that's been consistently shown to not be absolute. Violent speech has been regulated. Certainly the uh, Federal Communications Commission or potentially even the Federal Elections Commission can play a role here. But it's tricky, and it would certainly bring about lawsuits. So there are there are federal agencies that can respond. Uh, there are state agencies that can respond. But to say that there's a simple solution is probably not accurate. And any solution would probably take time. If you're going to involve the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, look out. You're looking at months, maybe even years. That's correct. Okay. Back to some calls here. Let's go to Ellen from Miriam on the Kansas side. Ellen, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, everything everybody has said, um, I kind of agree with. What I don't agree with us in as a country is that we give so much oxygen to this sort of garbage and that we don't starve it and feed ideas. So, you know, I'd rather that we just ignored that he did this and didn't give him now, however, 300 million you know, views, right? And just, and just, you know, we all said, you know, give it, give, give the attention to something worthwhile. Somebody with an idea, even if it's a bad idea, discuss the idea, and action. We don't feed positive action, whether it's stuff I necessarily agree with or not, but we we keep feeding these moronic creatures, and we make them the norm and. And I, I can't bear it anymore. This yeah. is bad news, and we need to stop. We need to stop um, giving them attention. Ellen, I'm glad you called. I appreciate uh, you expressing your views. Even her idea, though, is a little controversial. Some people say to ignore something like this is only to allow it to fester and grow. You know, in the years and months to come, Rebecca. How how should we approach something like this? Is is doing a talk show segment the the right response? We certainly debated it here. Or are, are we out of line? Are we we part of the problem here? This is such a hard question, Steve, because I certainly see your caller's point that the more oxygen we give to this, we are giving we are giving Eric Greitens what That's he right. wanted with this ad. At the same time, um, you know, I I do think 
part of so and I'm going to I'm going to say I I don't know if the ad has actually been pulled or not but the I did see uh a communication that went out from the Greitens campaign to his email listserv saying that it was now only available in I forget what location um but he had framed it very much as a uh, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell and his rhinos are attacking me for using my First Amendment right to defend right. my family. I'm not really sure how the ad defended so he, his he's family. He's the victim here now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. much sort of, I'm the victim. So he clearly was looking for the backlash. Um, and, and to that end, you know, your your caller is, is right. I think all of us gave him that. But I think we also, we should be appalled when we see something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder if if part of this wasn't a sort of, this is how we're going to get a lot of name recognition. And then the primary strategy is we, we're going to switch this over to just being available to people who are seeking it out through the campaign. Um, I, you know, uh, and then, you know, preparing for the general by kind of getting it. Yeah. Um, it's it's not clear to me. I I don't know what his goal was, but but I certainly see her point that you know we come mm-hmm. we come up with this when we talk about terrorism as well. Mm-hmm. Should we be talking about the terrorists, should, or should we be talking about the victims? Right? Do we give more oxygen to that um, to that ideology and to that group or individual? That was KCUR's Steve Kraske speaking to UMKC political science professors Deborah Leiter and Rebecca Best. You can hear their entire conversation at KCUR.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also find our live stream. On Monday, we'll take a look at how private equity firms are impacting rural hospitals in Missouri. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Most jazz greats had to travel to find fame in the 1940s, but Kansas City's Julia Lee made a name for herself here on her own terms. Grab it in the night, grab it in the day. Her song uh, Snatch and Grab It sold over half a million copies without any airplay because people fed quarters in the jukebox and played it. Better snatch and grab it before it gets away. The true story of Kansas City's raunchy blues queen. Listen on the podcast A People's History of Kansas City.